Hi, my name is David. Hi, my name is Karis, and welcome to Kingdom Minds, a podcast where we talk about Kingdom Hearts and the Kingdom of God. You are listening to episode three of Kingdom Minds. This is our new segment. What's the mobile game called that's coming out? I forget. <laughs> I didn't write it uh, down. It's called Kingdom Hearts Dark Road. Cool. It's about Xehanort uh, in his young years. And actually, I think Norma said it in an interview a while back that uh, he had wanted to make a game about Xehanort, but he felt like the timing was never right because he they were finishing the Xehanort saga with Kingdom Hearts 3. So he thought, well, we can't make a game about Xehanort now because we're finishing a story already. But mm-hmm. I guess they thought maybe a mobile game we could still do it since the mobile game is kind of like a, a wild card. It's not quite like the main series games. I'm curious as to how what the game is going to be like in terms of like gameplay. I think a lot of people assume that it's going to be similar to Union Cross. Maybe some think it might even replace Union Cross. So they did say they would still continue updating Union Cross after Dark Road comes out. But uh, yeah, I don't know. What do you think? Do you think they'll... They'll keep the same play style, they'll change it up a little bit, or will it be like completely different? Well, I suppose maybe it would be less of an MMO and more of a RPG if it's specifically mm. about Xehanort, I would have thought. I um, like that. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I don't know. That's just a wild a wild guess. Maybe when it comes out we could do uh, an episode where we talk about everything that we get wrong, all of our wrong predictions. Um, yeah. But no, I think that would make sense. So, is it going to be so in in his younger years? Is that like whenever he and Ericus are like playing chess together? Like, is is that yeah. like the age he is, or is it like yeah, yeah. in between think, that and his old self? No, so I think it's. I mean, I don't know how long a span of time it's going to cover. I mean, being in mobile gaming, I guess it could span a, a longer amount of time than maybe we think. But yeah, they released, or Noma released a teaser artwork image of like Xehanort, young Xehanort, uh, and young Ericus together. And then like several other characters in the background that are blurred out. And people are theorizing about who those characters might be. So I, I'm hoping that Yen Sid, a younger version of Yen Sid, is one of them because uh, Yen Sid supposedly trained with them at some point okay interesting that would be fun to actually flesh his character out because yeah in the in the in the main games he basically does nothing <laughs> he gives some vague words of wisdom at different points and insults sora at the very start <laughs> and says that he's lazy or whatever okay. and then that's basically all he does well, he's kind of used as just a convenient plot device. Like anytime they need information or they need to move along in their journey, it's Yen Sid. But yeah, I'm actually, sorry about I would actually be more excited about hearing about his backstory more than Xehanort's, I think. Because I feel like we know, I already know so much about him. But I'm sure Nomura has some cards up his sleeve. Yeah, I'm wondering, is, is this something that people really are want or are looking for i mean do people care this much about xehanort i mean i suppose he's the big bad and everything but again like you just said we already like have had the xehanort saga so but i don't know what do i know but yeah yen Sid is basically an 
exposition machine. He just comes on to tell it to to catch everyone up to speed. Yeah, although he did have that cool scene at the, towards the end of Team Hearts Three where he comes in and saves everybody, and then they're all standing around talking for a long time, and he's like, "Hurry up! I can't. <laughs> this is kind of hard for me to hold this. Like, <laughs> y'all talking too much. Like, get out of oh. here." There's so much for just people standing around talking in uh, Kid Fire 3. Like, I love this game. I also love to make fun of it. Speaking of which, I think that's a good segue into our next section. We'll talk about the game. And today we're going to talk about just our thoughts about the main scenario of the new DLC, Kingdom Hearts Remind. So we both played through the main scenario, both currently kind of stuck on the data battles. Um, <laughs> They weren't, so kidding. They, said, they weren't kidding when they said they were going to make that harder. I was watching some playthroughs of like, you know, level one proud mode, no, level one critical mode, no damage uh, with all the all the restrictions turned on and everything. I'm like, yeah, I, I can't do that. I don't know how people do that, but I can't do that. That's insane. Um, I, I don't know. I can't remember what level I was at, like level 40, 41 or something like that. Um, something ridiculous, and then I went to the first day of battle, and I got killed like instantly. I oh, mean, I'm at well, I'm at level 99, and I can't, I can't make. I think I almost beat Marluxia. I had him at like one HP, and then he killed me. Sad. That sucks. Yeah. So, what'd you think of the main scenario of Remind? It was fun. I mean, time travel. No, I guess I was kind of expecting it a little. Um, it made me. Th- kind of think back to Endgame going back and seeing all the all the previous moments, all, all the moments in Kingdom Hearts 3 that, uh, and revisiting those from like a hindsight perspective. No, it was cool. It was fun to like piece it all together and realize oh, it was Sora that brought back Roxas. You know, he didn't just suddenly appear which is what I thought when I first played it. I don't know. Should I have seen that coming? Who knows? But uh, it was it was certainly a fun time. What did you think? That's a good comparison to Endgame. I hadn't thought of that. But yeah, it's definitely kind of similar. So I liked I liked parts of it. I just liked parts of it. I think towards the end was pretty cool. I liked that they did more stuff with the Guardians of Light scene with Mickey, where you're playing as him, kind of uh, struggling towards the what was it a door or something? I saw yeah. Something. But yeah. anyway, I thought that was pretty epic. Now, of course, animation is really nice. I like the new graphical changes. They changed the skybox at the end where Kingdom Hearts is opened. Looks really nice. I liked uh, exploring Skylight Kylum. It's pretty cool. Um, oh, yeah, that was fun. It's crazy how much detail they put into that world. It's insane, all the assets they created for that. And I like that you can go back. Actually, I don't know if you've noticed, but you can go back and because when you reload the save from Remind, uh, once you beat it, it takes you back to Skylight Column, so you can go back and explore it some more. Um, oh, that's cool. I didn't know that. Well, uh, if you missed a part, you can go back to it. Because uh, okay. there's also like a treasure list they added to the gun phone for Skylight Kylum, so that if you missed a treasure, you can go back and get it. Cool. But yeah, um, playing as the other characters is pretty cool. Kairu is really cool. Although I found it easier to beat Xehanort with Sora, just because I was more familiar with his playstyle. Um, yeah. But I, I thought Roxas was really cool. I loved his, like, dodging. It was, like, super fast. 
Um, that was my favorite part. I love playing as Roxas. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of good stuff. I think the negatives. I would say that I don't know if they heard people complaining about the slowness of the cutscenes, but if they did, they definitely did listen because the cutscenes still felt really slow, and they retreaded a lot of old ground. I mean, I think occasionally there were maybe some different camera angles, but they just showed you like the exact same cutscenes basically from yeah. the main the main story. But then and then just kind of like waiting like, you know, five minutes in, you're like, okay, when is the actual new content going to appear? <laughs> yeah, that was that was definitely like a big minus for me. That was frustrating because I'm like, I'm here to play Remind, not Kid Wars 3, which I didn't, you know, uh, I, I, I spent £25 for just the same <laughs> stuff <laughs> over and over. Yeah, that was kind of annoying. But it it was weird because it took me until about halfway through to realize that every time they went back to to like a previous scene and then you saw all of a sudden like Sora his heart coming out of him or whatever and going into someone else. I was like, Oh, that's what's going on. It took me a while to like figure out that that was why we were seeing these scenes all over again. Yeah, I think I don't know if I just missed something early on, wasn't paying enough attention or something like that, but it was a little bit confusing. Yeah, it's weird that despite the amount of exposition Kingdom Hearts has, they often fail to give like essential exposition for like certain things. Because like the time travel thing was confusing in the first game, or I mean, I mean the main story, because. They never really explained it. And I feel like they don't really elaborate on it until Remind. And even then, it's still not fully explained. It's like, well, you have to go back to before Kyrie died, but you have you can't just go straight to her heart. You have to jump to her heart from all the other Guardians of Light. I'm not clear why. Like, if yeah, he could I... jump to their hearts, <laughs> how come he couldn't ju- just jump straight to Kyrie's heart? I don't, I don't understand. Maybe one of our listeners can explain this to us. Maybe, yeah. Um, if you understand what's going on, uh, please let me know. So, it was, I don't know. It, it is what it is, I suppose. But I haven't got around to defeating the bosses and seeing the extra cutscenes at the end of that. So, um, I need to either beat them, which I doubt I will be able to do, because they're really tough, or uh, watch the cutscenes on YouTube, which is more likely. <laughs> and then we can discuss the post-data battle cutscenes, so that's going to be exciting. On our next episode we'll be most likely talking about the uh, cutscenes for the Limit Cut episode, and also for the secret ending, because heaven knows that I don't think either of us are planning on beating the secret boss anytime soon. <laughs> yep, probably not. You know, if I had all the time in the world to grind, then I would. But I'm very busy. So I will let uh, YouTube do the hard work for me, and I will just sit back and watch it instead. Yeah, so I have, we're not going to talk about it today, but I have watched all the cutscenes, and I, I definitely think that the, without any spoilers yet, um, the limit cut and the Secret episode are probably, even though they're not quite as long as I'd hoped, 
but they are definitely, I think, the more interesting aspects of Remind. And I think they're really the part that I think a lot of people were looking forward to, which is finding out more about, you know, what happens after Sora disappears in the in the ending of Kingdom Hearts 3 rather than what happened before. For sure. And from browsing Kingdom Hearts on Reddit, like, that is what really intrigues me. So I'm mm-hmm. excited to get around to that. I'm really excited. And I'm sad I haven't already, but my life is insane currently. So much going on. Um, also, in our last episode, we discussed... It was so long ago since we actually recorded it, so you've probably forgotten. But I, re- I was reminded when I was editing it the other week, we were talking about how weird it is that Sora can randomly summon Disney rides now. It yeah. came Hearts 3, and then what a weird mechanic that was. And you said about how for most of everything that he can do, there's an in-game explanation. So my theory is that he can summon Disney rides because he has a connection to Disney Town, which is essentially Disneyland. Mm. Like Kingdom Hearts. It's mm, interesting. Does that make any sense? Probably not. I'm probably reaching, but I I want it to be true. Yeah, I mean, I get. You know, I would say, I feel like if they had made him do the attraction flow after he got his new outfit, then maybe you could say, okay, maybe his new magic clothes from the fairies, maybe that's why he can summon Kingdom Hearts rides. But like, he does it in the Olympus world before he gets his new outfit. And he can also summon run up walls too. And he's never been able to do that before. So, like, I don't get this whole thing of like, oh, you lost all your power after the, uh, what's his name? Zigbar and young Xehanort, or, yeah, Zigbar and Xehanort drained him and, you know, tried to make him into a darkness and dream drop distance. So he lost all his power, but then he reappears, you know, in the, in the new game with suddenly new powers. Like, what? I don't, I don't understand that. Yeah, that is weird. Yeah, I'm sure they'll probably eventually come up with some sort of explanation for it. I feel like half the stuff Nomura does have planned out, and half of it he just makes up as he goes along. But he yeah. wants to make you think that he planned it out. <laughs> I'm sure that he'll go back and be like, hey, this doesn't make any sense. Here's a really convoluted explanation for why this exists. Uh, I, f- I forgot that, um, that he got his new clothes after he was already able to run up walls and all that stuff. But he was doing that in Dream Drop Distance because that was when the full motion stuff was oh, yeah. introduced. I guess maybe he just learned it from going to the Dream Worlds. Did you use full motion at all except from when you needed to? Uh, no, I, I didn't really use it much. I, I've used it more post-game. I'm just kind of playing around. But at the start, I wasn't using it very much. Yeah, me neither. I I couldn't get the hang of it, honestly. I'm I'm bad at full motion. <laughs> like, I know you just, like, run and jump into stuff. Yeah, I mean, I think part of it was the main game. It was so easy. You don't really need to play around with a lot of the different options or combat options you have. But I, I do want to um, replay the game so because now they have the easy codes and pro codes 
our listeners can correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that once you beat the secret boss, you can have both the pro codes and the easy codes on. So, like, if you don't know, when you start a new game, you can choose to either enable easy codes, which is basically cheats, or you can enable pro codes, which is like, uh, you know, makes the game even harder. So, I was kind of looking forward to being able to use both, like, easy codes and pro codes and kind of play around with that and see if it can. I feel like that could be pretty fun where you can, like, have cheats on, but at the same time, have the game be more difficult. So, like, you're kind of powered up, but also everything else is powered up at the same time. I thought that'd be kind of cool. That would so be fun. I think after you, feed, after you beat the secret boss, you can you have the option of turning both on at the same time. So I was wanting to kind of go back into critical mode, do a new game in critical mode, and choose the easy mode, and then just go through everything with easy mode on, beat the secret boss, and then come back and turn on both pro codes and easy codes and see how that see what that would be like that'd be a fun experiment maybe maybe we should try it yeah, yeah i'm planning I'm... trying it but i i kind of wanted to finish to like actually try to beat um because right now my original save file is on proud mode and uh i wanted to try to beat the critic uh the limit cuts limit cut episode on proud mode but I don't know if I, I don't know. I don't know when that's gonna happen. <laughs> Ain't nobody got time for that. Yeah, so happens when you get old. It's yeah. true. Lives, <laughs> responsibilities. Yeah. How hard can it be, right? Yeah. Well, life is a kind of like a game, except you can't die. <laughs> true. All right. So now we're gonna talk about a spiritual aspect of Kingdom Hearts. So we're gonna chat a little bit about Vexen's story. Um, and this is taken from an official character file. Yeah, so these are the Kingdom Hearts series character files uh, mm-hmm. that have been recently translated over at Cage 13. And um, they did the, these little features over like 200 characters from the series. Um, so they're like little short stories or short dialogues about uh, each of the characters. Um, and it's it's a store, it's from a book that's being sold on the Square Enix e-store, um, and it's just been translated. Yeah, and the, and the stories were written by Tomoko Kanimaki, I think. I don't know. <laughs> um, but is, yeah. Yeah, Tomoko Kanimaki. Great. I'm sure, the I'm sure the listeners can um, uh, fix our pronunciation. <laughs> uh, yeah. But yeah, so... So in the games, like, Vexen pioneers the replica program, would that be fair to say? Or, like, he at least is, like, heavily involved in building the replicas, which if you don't, like, know what that means, basically it's kind of like a a sort of, like, kind of robot body, I guess, with, like, a heart put into it, so that it becomes, like, a real person. Is that right? I think so. Yeah, it's like a clone kind of thing. A clone, yes. Um, it's not quite like a clone, but it's it's similar enough. But yeah, the, the replica program was his was his brainchild, introduced in chain of, all the way back in Chain of Memories. Of course, you know the way Nomura is, it would of course have a huge role to play in Kingdom Hearts Three. Yes, like replicas are the way that many of the characters kind of come back, uh, such as Nominee and other things mm-hmm. other other people right 
Yeah, it was the yeah. way that Xehanort used to bring back his other versions of himself from the past by putting the putting their hearts into these replicas. But then the good guys commandeered that to use it to bring back Roxas and Namine. Yeah, so good. But it's it's really interesting actually reading his story because it's just a lot of really interesting questions that I think is fascinating for um for Kingdom Hearts to explore and also just everyone in general to like think about these different things. Like it just starts off and the very first line is what do you think it means to be truly wise? I think that's a yeah. really fasc- fascinating like way to begin because I think a lot of people don't really don't well, really Vexen, know what, what, what true wisdom is. Yeah, so Vexen has a great, very actually surprising spoiler alert in case you haven't played Kingdom Hearts 3. Hope you've played it before listening to this, but uh, yeah, he he has a surprising turn in Kingdom Hearts 3 where he, he rebels against the organization and wants to, in his words, atone for what he did um, and make it up to Anson the Wise, his former master. It, it stood out to me some similarities between specific passage in scripture that's why i wanted to talk about this yeah so maybe i can go ahead and read it and then we can just talk a little bit about some of the uh biblical parallels yeah absolutely let's do it let's get into it Mm -hmm. so he says what do you what do you think specs and speaking what do you think it truly it means to be truly wise by continuing to make these dolls i had hoped i would come to comprehend the heart i did or rather i should say i understood the things that i would never be able to comprehend about hearts Moreover, I continue to contemplate what it means to be wise. One cannot consider intelligence a separate matter from the heart. For example, you say you implanted a brain of advanced intellect in a wild animal. After its intelligence increased, would that animal feel the same things that it felt before? Or would those feelings differ, as one might expect? If intelligence does indeed change the way one feels about the world, then would it not follow that the heart and mind are intimately related. Increasingly, these are the conclusions I have arrived at. So I want to stop there a little bit. Um, that It's interesting that he, he connects the heart and the mind as something that's closely tied together. I think in our modern, our modern vocabulary, we, we tend to think of the heart and the mind as opposites. But yes. actually, biblically, the heart and the mind are closely linked. So if you think of the, the, the uh, where Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength, the heart and the mind are used almost synonymously because in the Old Testament, it actually just says, love the, God, love the Lord your God with all of your heart. So Jesus adds the word mind onto there. But it's kind of like adding the word mind as like a, a secondary word that just means the same thing as the first. Sure. And the ancient Hebrews actually thought of the heart as the seat of the mind. So both the heart and the mind are like your inward your inward being that is invisible, whereas your soul and your body are your outward being that's visible. Yeah, absolutely. And I think as well, like for Christians, it's not just the heart and the mind, but it's also the body. Like we are holistic people. And I think a lot of the secular worldview tries to separate the body mm. f- from the heart and the mind and say that like as a person like you you are not your body but like you're different like there's a distinction 
but honestly that idea is like more gnostic than anything else there you know there were a lot of gnostics in the new testament um that paul was kind of preaching to and and they were kind of coming up with these weird arguments that like jesus didn't actually die like when he went to the cross his like spirit like left him or whatever and the body was just was dead but he was still alive but it's like no like jesus completely died when he went to the cross and then he fully rose again body soul and mind all together right. when his body was raised the rest of him was raised as well yeah so that's that's what i yeah. reckon which is really interesting yeah, because definitely. he's obviously the whole replica program is about putting a putting a heart and a mind into a body and I just think that's really interesting. Like, we're not just floating around, but God made us this specific way, uh, which is really cool. So, and like, his, he brings up this question, like, I'd hoped I would come to comprehend the heart I did, or rather, I should say, I understood the things that I would never be able to comprehend. So it's like, what, what does he know about the nature of the heart? He seems to know what he doesn't know. <laughs> it's kind of a weird statement but um i think i think he's just kind of like we are so complicated and like i i figured it out but actually i didn't really so Mm -hmm. i don't know i'm just spitballing here just thoughts and ideas that i came up with (laughs) yeah definitely yeah i think it reminds me of the the bible says that the heart is desperately wicked and deceitful it says who can know it so there's this idea that our our, own, our very own hearts are, in a sense, unknowable. Yeah. Which is kind of scary because that's who we are, but yeah, we don't really know ourselves. No. So I'm so glad that God made us and he knows us way better and more intimately than we could ever know ourselves. Super encouraging. Yeah, and then, like, again, I, I keep coming back to the very first line, like, what do you think it means to be truly wise? And so, like, the Bible has so much to say about this. You know, I feel like we could bring in some proverbs here, for example. <laughs> I guess it's just the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That's what the Bible says. So That's a good segue. So he gets into more of that towards the end. So I can continue reading, and then uh, we can talk about the wisdom part. Yeah, sure. So he says, we were able to put hearts in our replicas. If we wanted to, we could also elevate their intellectual faculties by any amount. However, my presumption is that being wise is something different entirely. Or rather, I should say that is something I only came to understand once I saw the Keyblade Hero for myself. Or maybe this is still just another attempt of mine to understand it. Sometimes a Keyblade Hero takes seemingly foolish actions. But is that foolishness truly at odds with wisdom? I did not think, think it lightly. Likely. In terms of sheer results, those foolish actions may in fact have led to the most ideal outcome. If that is the case, then I have started to think that perhaps being wise is a, de- is a deceitful concept, and it is the fools who are truly the wise among us. When it comes down to it, I cannot understand why it should be wisdom. The translator put wiseness. I cannot understand <laughs> wisdom for the same reasons that I cannot understand hearts. It may be something that cannot be reduced to numbers and charts. This is the conclusion I have derived as a scientist. Setting that aside, of the original 13, I have chosen to be the most foolish of all. In practice, I suppose I was not the one who made that choice, but I agreed to it, so there is no functional difference. 
I arrived at my conclusion. The most foolish person of all is actually the wisest, thanks to the Keyblade hero. If I told the person himself my hypothesis, I'm sure he and his true and his friends would be angry. But it would be the simple truth. Unfortunately, I was wrong all along. The wisdom I thought I had cultivated was at best idiocy. I thought I was trying to be wise so I could be useful to someone. But I lost sight of that goal somewhere along the way. Before I knew it, all I had chased after was intelligence. My scientific findings were all I cared about. I can only say that I was clearly just foolish. Thus, given my theory, I could be considered the most foolish of all. But no, the most foolish people wrap all the way around to become the wisest. And I could only dream of being so wise. And now, thanks to the one who appears to be little more than a dunce, the wise man's plans will fall to ruin. For that purpose, I, right now, live on. This is my atonement. Men like us, in pursuit of science, we sometimes make terrible mistakes. Lose sight of our mission to help people. But now I can help someone with my research. Now I can atone. Yes, Demikstein, the fool exclaimed. There is no one more important than him. This is perfectly suited for him after all. Yes, that is the marker of a wise person. Be honest about yourself and don't lose sight of who you are. I cannot afford to dwell on the past. Even now, I don't mind warming the bench as long as my will is there. All his clever plans will be no match for the fool in front of me, I'm sure of it. I pray that our plan to outwit the wise man actually works. It's all for forgiveness. So that reminded me a lot of 1 Corinthians. Yeah, so he talks a lot about, you know, the flipping of the of the standard of of wise and foolish and how the foolish actions of Sora seemingly foolish confounded the so-called wisdom of the organization mm-hmm. and how his wisdom turned out to be foolish but what the organization thought to be foolish turned out to be wisdom so if you look at first corinthians chapter one uh, paul talks a lot about this he's talking to the church in corinth uh, telling them how they put a lot of stock in human wisdom and they've used that as a means to divide each other and Say, I follow Paul. No, Paul's a better speaker than Apollos. No, Apollos is a better speaker than Paul. He's more wise and he, she's more, he, you know, so and so's more wise. And Paul says that your standard of wisdom is distorted. So, starting in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, he says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. The intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. He's quoting Isaiah. Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then the rest, so verse 26, Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. 
Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are, so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God, that is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as, is, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. I don't know about you, but that struck me as a, really similar to what Vexen said. It's almost, I could almost imagine the author or the writer of that story having just read First Corinthians, even though I'm, I'm sure he probably didn't. I don't know, he, he could have possibly, but It's really interesting. Um, you know, just that uh, when Vexen is like, yes, it's Derek's time, Phil explained, and there's no one more important than him. This is perfectly suited for him after all. Like, you know, <laughs> I think I think the fandom likes to hate on Demix and say that he's stupid. But Vexen obviously sees some sort of, like, faith in him or some kind of wisdom that's not obvious, like, some way that he is important to his overall plan or whatever. Um, I think that's the way, like, that God sees us. Like, we, we look at ourselves and we think, oh, like, God could never use me. You know, like, I'm so weak. I'm so, like, I feel so foolish or whatever. And God is like, no, like, this is perfectly suited to you after all. I think that's really cool. That's just sort of what it made me think of. But yeah, like, there's so many parallels and super interesting thoughts in there. And it's, it's really interesting when Vexen's talking about atonement as well. Because, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, atonement is, like, paying for the sins, right? Is um, Yeah. So, so, so Jesus, like, atoned for, or he paid for, like, arson. It's almost like Vixen is like, I've got these things that I messed up, and I need to pay for them. So this is this is my atonement. And I think that's really interesting that that it's using that word specifically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um, a very theological term, atonement. But, uh, you know, it's definitely not a Christian view of atonement because it's he's the one trying to atone for himself. Biblically, we cannot atone for ourselves. It's Christ that atones for us. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I wonder, like, because Vexen's got all these ideas about what wisdom is, and, like, I can't understand wisdom for the same reasons I cannot understand heart. I guess the kind of thought there that I had is, like, you know, people of the world are trying to understand, like, where did we come from? Like, who are we? Um, why are we here? And those are thoughts that, that just cannot really be comprehended inhuman terms but then it's all there in in the bible like why we're here and and wisdom is really just like having having that faith to believe that what god has said is true which i think is is interesting but i um, think it it speaks to the kind of so-called upside down or topsy-turvy nature of uh of scripture of the message of the gospel you know in first corinthians the passage i read he says that that he chose the things that are not to nullify the things that are. It says God chose the lowly things of this world, the despised things, and the things that are not to nullify the things that are, so that no one may boast before him. So it's like God's wisdom is manifested in being able to confound the wisest of the wise by choosing the weakest and the lowest of things to do so. 
Yeah, absolutely. So he does things in what to us seems like a backwards way, but then he does it in a way that we could never have imagined. And he does it to show off his own wisdom and his own glory so that we can't boast before him. We can't say, wow, we figured that all, all by ourselves. He's like, no, there's no way you could have figured that out. Only I could have done this. For sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it's, it's very similar to what Vexen says in his story, that it's like we thought of the Keyblade hero as a fool. He says that the most foolish person of all is actually the wisest thanks to the Keyblade hero. So they thought of him, his actions as a fool, but now the fool's actions are confounding the wise, learned leaders of the organization. Yeah. And it's interesting whenever he's saying, setting that aside of the original 13, like, I've chosen to be the most foolish of all. And I think, like, in terms of our our faith, like, a lot of people think, like, why are you choosing that? Like, that's foolishness. Mm-hmm. And yet, you know, we love the Lord and we want to, to live for him. And that's just, yeah, that's just it. That's what we're all about. Yeah, there, there's a really interesting song. I don't know. Have you heard of Michael Card? Uh, I've heard of him. But he did a song called God's Own Fool. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, I know what you're talking about. You know what I'm talking about. It's I, I heard the song. Yeah, I know who you, I yeah. know Michael Carden. It's so great. Well, I love the song because it talks about about other people's like reactions to Jesus, and it you know it mentions the Pharisee said he was mad, and the priest said uh, demons to blame, and his own family thought he was crazy, and all these different things. And yet, in the refrain, it talks about you know believe the unbelievable. And come be a fool as well. So it's sort of comparatively, it's showing the comparison between between what people thought of Jesus and who he really is. Because in mm. the verses it talks about how he's actually the wisest of all. After, after all, after all that, it's it's really interesting thought, and it's quite it's cool that I kind of like a video game like Kingdom Hearts is like kind of wrestling with these ideas. Like in the part when he's talking about the actual replicas and. He's talking about uh, after its intelligence increased, would that animal feel the same things that it felt before when there's a heart put in it? You know, I, I think he's really describing that our, our hearts and our minds are an intrinsic part of us. And like he, he's realizing that intelligence like isn't the same as wisdom, I think. Yeah, I like that you pointed out uh, earlier, Vexen's quote, I've chosen to be the most foolish of all. That's mm. definitely in line with Paul's mentality in First Corinthians that he's he's essentially telling the Corinthians, he says, I, I didn't choose to be wise in your eyes, I actually chose to be foolish in your eyes. In the previous part that I didn't read, you know, in the previous passage starting in verse 13, he's saying, I thank God that I didn't baptize most of you guys except for a couple, and I didn't preach the gospel with wisdom or with eloquence, lest he would empty the cross of Christ of its power. And then he, he talks a lot more also in chapter two. He says, I have not come with eloquence or human wisdom. He says, I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus and him crucified. I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with the demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. So he's essentially saying the same thing that Vexen's saying, that like, I'm choosing to be wise. I'm choosing to be foolish, the most foolish of all, so that I can actually obtain real, true wisdom. Yeah, that's so cool. And I think in in Paul's case, you know, he's like, oh, I'm glad that I didn't baptize loads of people and I, I didn't preach so good so that you would see 
Jesus and me, like, you wouldn't see Paul, like, oh, Paul is such a great preacher, like, Paul says, Paul's that, but, like, it's about who the Lord is, and I think if we're truly seeking after wisdom, like, it's not for ourselves, we're not trying to be wise in our own eyes. And I think a lot of times, I think you see this with a lot of big popular churches, that there's a, almost a definition of Christianity as being, like, this hyper- spiritual superstar that you can just go around and you can like be a light in people's lives and you can like everything you say is like super wise and powerful and people look at you like oh that guy's so full of the spirit and he can like heal people or something like that but that's totally the opposite of what paul say in first corinthians um, that we're supposed to be but somehow a lot of people associate being Christian with that kind of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, just modern churches are so obsessed with with, with self, really, and like, mm-hmm. well, a lot of the bigger churches, anyway. I don't. I'm not naming any kind of denomination or whatever, but there does seem to be an attitude of, oh, this person's so anointed, and and it can be like an addiction is like going to those people and like asking them to pray over you, but it's like I'll actually. We have everything we need. That, like the Bible says that I've given you every spiritual blessing. You can claim that blessing for yourself. Like you can take authority and take responsibility in what God's already shown you, rather than chasing other people to do it for you. Well, that's kind of all the thoughts I had. Did you have everything else that you want to add? Yeah, I think that was everything. Well, thanks for listening, guys. Again, I'm David. Yeah, and I'm Karis. And you've been listening to Kingdom Minds, the podcast where we talk about kingdom hearts and the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm.